You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on the people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In many ways, our world revolves around our work, our jobs. By that I mean that pretty much everything that we do in our world around us has to do is, and is enveloped by our dedication and our need to work. And, and those things aren't necessarily bad or, or wrong. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 10, Paul commands that if a man will not work, neither should he eat. It's good, it's necessary for us to work, but I would submit to us this morning that that work is secondary, that job, that occupation that we hold is secondary to the good works that we are commanded to be engaged in as Christians. That is to say that as Christians, that is our duty, that is what we are about, that is what we are, ought to be consumed by, that is doing good, those things that are good works. And so let's consider this morning what Jesus, as we continue our study, about what Jesus said about different things. Let's consider what Jesus said this morning about good works. First and foremost, let us consider that good works start with a belief in Jesus Christ. They start with a belief in Jesus Christ. Open your Bibles to John chapter number six. We have five passages that I want us to turn to, really four, but five different sections of scripture that I want us to look at. Look in your Bibles with me at John chapter number six. For context, as we think about John chapter number six, I want us to realize that at the beginning of John chapter six, Jesus had just fed the 5,000. And these people were amazed and they end up tracking Jesus down after he had already sailed across the sea and he, he was trying to uh, get away from these individuals, not because he didn't love them, but just because he was trying to, to at least have a, a period of break away from them. If they end up tracking him down at Capernaum and they ask him, what is it, Jesus? How can we do the works of God? Look with me at John chapter 6 and verse number 29. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in whom he sent. That is the greatest work that you could ever do. These people were wanting to do a really great thing. They wanted to do the things, the miraculous abilities, perhaps the things that Jesus was able to do in turning just a small amount of food into this large amount of food to be able to feed 5,000 people. They wanted to ask, they wanted to know from Jesus, how can I do the works of God? And the response that Jesus gives is, this is the work of God that you believe in me, that you believe in him who he sent, talking about himself. And so as we think about the works that you and I can do as Christians, the works, the good things that we can do in doing good in the world around us, may we never forget that the most important thing that you and I could ever do is to believe in the Son, to believe in Jesus Christ. 
You know, there are a lot of good things that we could do in the world. There's a lot of good things that we could strive to do. We could work to try to cure cancer. We could work to try to feed all of the hungry people in the world and give water, clean water to all the people in the world that need it. And while all those things are good, if we never believe in Jesus Christ and make him our Lord and Savior and obey him and do the things that he commands us to do and submit to him in baptism and make a plea for a good conscience to him in baptism, if we never do those things, then all the good in the world that we have done will have been for naught. And so it must start with a belief in Jesus Christ. As we believe in Jesus, as we started to already allude to, we need to recognize that along with believing in Jesus is not just simply a mere mental assent, a mere uh, belief in the sense that I have come to accept that he is who he is, but it's also, when we think about the concept of belief, what does that require of me? What in turn comes from that? And so I want us to think that about the fact that good works, when we think about them, they are at the core of a Christian. Turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 and our scripture reading that Woodrow read a moment ago. In Matthew chapter 5, we have the Sermon on the Mount that is Jesus preaching, the great Sermon on the Mount that so many are familiar with. And in verse number 16, as we read from our scripture reading a moment ago, the context is talking about the good that we are doing, the good works, and how it is that we go about revealing our light to those that are around us. But I want us to take notice of the fact that in verses 13 and 14, Jesus uses this word, this phrase. He says, you are the salt of the earth. In other words, that's what you are made of, that's what you are consisting of, that's what you're designed to be as followers of me. You are the salt of the earth. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, you are the light of the world. In other words, that is your purpose. And we'll talk more about that here in a second. But as you think about what it means to be a Christian, I want you to think about what maybe the majority of the world thinks it means to be a Christian. The majority of the world might think it means to be a Christian to just go to church every Sunday. What the majority of the world might think a Christian is, is just simply to be a good person in the sense that not so much that you're doing a bunch of good things, but that you just don't do bad things. That sometimes that's what people think Christians are about. That's, well, we just don't do the bad things. But what I want us to realize is that as Christians, that we are called to be not just worshipers, that is that we come to the church building together collectively on a Sunday morning to worship God, but that we are called to be more than that. That we are designed to be a people that are doing good. Consider that good works is what our Lord was all about. In Acts chapter 10, verse number 38, it is said of Jesus very simply that he went about doing good. He went about doing good. That's what Jesus was all about. And if that's what our Lord is all about, so it is the case for us as well, that we should be all about that also. It's said that as we think about Jesus being the vine and we are the branches, we might say that Jesus is the root and good works in him being the root, good works are the fruit that we produce being connected to him as he was someone that went about doing good. We also need to think about the fact that they are, that is good works, what we are created for. In Ephesians chapter two, verse number 10, Paul says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. 
That's what we are created for and to do. We are his workmanship in the sense that God has designed us and is creating us and molding us as Christians, as followers of his, to be individuals that are doing good. Not just abstaining from doing evil, but taking active part in doing things that are good. And so that's what we're created for. We need to think about the fact that in large part, that's what Christ died for us for. As you think about Titus chapter two and verse number 14, he came, he died for us that he might purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. When Jesus died for us, he didn't die for us simply just so that we could be saved, simply just so that we could have a clean conscience, but that he died for us so that he could purify us to be a people that are zealous for, desire for, long after, and want to do good works. That is, if we're not doing good works, we're not living up to what God gave his son to die for what Jesus offered his life for, that is he wants us to be a people zealous for good works. But also think about the fact that when we are people that are doing good works, we need to realize that good works are what God plans to do along with us. What God plans to do along with us, think about 2 Timothy chapter two and verse number 21, in that if we are to cleanse ourselves, Paul goes on to say, that we are sanctified and set apart. We are a vessel for honor, a vessel for honor, set apart and sanctified for the master's use, prepared for every good work. If we will allow ourselves to be individuals that are people of good works, God will use us for good. He will use us. He will work alongside of us. He looks at us as a vessel of honor by which he can accomplish good in the world. But if we don't allow ourselves to be used, if we don't allow ourselves to be used for good works, God cannot use us. We are a vessel unto dishonor, as is also said throughout scripture. That we are not allowed in our lives when we don't allow God to use us, that God cannot use us for his purposes but also consider the fact that scripture is designed to prepare us for good works. Scripture is designed to prepare us for good works. We know 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, for all scripture is inspired by God and is, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. But then notice verse number 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped unto every good work. That is, scripture is given to us not just so that we know how to be saved, not just so that we know how to have a clean conscience, not just so that we know about God, but so that it is that we are equipped thoroughly unto every good work. That is everything that God wants us to do. We'll talk more later on less about what that looks like. What are these good works? But know that being a person of good works and doing good is something that Jesus expects of us. That's at the core of who we are. Consider next that good works are for the purpose of glorifying God. Open up your Bibles again to Matthew chapter 5, verse number 16. He says, let your light so shine before men that they, that is others, those men, people of the world, might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Good works are not, number one, for self-elevation, they're not for self-elevation. 
In 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse number 12, Peter says, Let your conduct be honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they might, by your good works which they observe, glorify your Father in heaven on the day of visitation. In other words, you know, sometimes we might be prone to wanting to do good works because we think that it might allow us to get ahead in life to some degree. The people of the world might see the good works that we're doing and, well, because they see us doing these charitable things, well, maybe they'll give me a job that is a higher ranking job or maybe they will elevate me to a position of political prominence. And so because of the good that I've done in the past, maybe I can be a political figure later on. And so that's sometimes why people do good works, but that's not the case. Jesus said we do them for the glory of our Father. It's not for self-elevation. It's not for commendation. In the very next chapter in our text here in Matthew chapter 5, following in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 1 through 18, we find three different areas in which Jesus says, don't do these things to be rewarded by men. In the first several verses of chapter 6, he says, don't do your charitable deeds, what we were just talking about. Don't do the good deeds to be seen by men, verse number 1, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do your charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Now on the face, that might seem kind of hard to marry the two. We, we were just told in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, to let your light shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But then in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 5 or so, Jesus is saying, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that you should do these things in secret. The idea is when you're doing these things, it's not to be doing them for the purpose of being rewarded by others, having the pat on the back from others. It's rather instead, if someone were to see the good work that you are doing, it's not for yourself. It's so that God might be glorified, not for self-elevation, not for commendation, and especially not for justification. This is where a lot of the people in this room might struggle the most. It might be the case that you know that you are to do good works, that you know that you are to do good deeds, but the reason in your mind for some reason that you think you need to do those good deeds or that I think I might need to do those good deeds is so that I can balance the scales. So that I can say, I know that I've done a lot of bad things in my life, but at least I've done these good things over here, and so maybe it balances the scale a little bit, but that's not what Scripture teaches us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Paul wants us to know that we are saved by grace through faith. It's not anything that you or I have done. It is a gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are not right with God simply because we have done more good than we've done evil. That's not true biblical trusting in God and faith in him. He says in Romans chapter four, verse two, Paul does, that if Abraham was justified by works, he would have then had something to boast before God. This morning, I plead with you, I beg with you, that if you are just doing good things and trying to do right so that God will reward you, stop doing that. 
Do it because that's what God has called you to do, yes, but do it because you want God to get the glory. That's what it's all about. Everything that we do in this life, we cannot earn our salvation. I understand as we'll talk that there's very much so this expectation of us to respond to the gospel in obedient faith, and there are things that are expected of us to accept that gift, but we cannot save ourselves no matter how much good we do in this world. No that good works are for the purpose of glorifying God, that we want others to know how good our God is. Why is Jordan or why is Kent Bruno or why is Will Williams doing these good things in our community? It's not because he wants political gain. It's not because he wants a pat on the back. It's because he's doing what his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did. That's why we ought to be doing those things. They start with a belief in Christ. They're at the core of a Christian. They're not for the purpose of self-elevation, but rather for the purpose of glorifying God. But notice that they come from a heart with a good treasure. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter six. Luke chapter number six. They come from a heart with a good treasure. And I have on the screen verse 45, but let's really read verses 43, 44, and 45. Luke chapter six, verse 43 through 45. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs, verse 44, from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. But a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So as we think about this, it may be the case that sometimes you struggle with doing good things. And it may be the case that the fact that you struggle with doing good things is kind of telling about what your heart is treasuring, about what your heart is treasuring. We mentioned in the Bible class hour that, you know what? We do what we want to do, don't we? What we really want to do is what we'll find time to do, is what we'll really try and, and make the time for. Now, I'm not saying that sometimes things that we want to do don't get done because, well, there's other things that are more important. But what's more important than anything in the world is doing the will of God and doing good works. And when we struggle with doing good works, it might just be because we don't want to do that. It might just be because we haven't put self away and put Christ first in our life, Matthew 6, verse 33. And so as you think about that, remember the seed principle. Garbage in, garbage out. More eloquently stated in, uh, in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, that whatsoever a man sows, that he shall also reap. For if a man sows to the flesh, he will of the flesh reap corruption. But if a man sows to the Spirit, of the Spirit he will reap everlasting life. What are you sowing in your life? What are you sowing to your heart? Are you putting good things into your heart? Because if you're reading God's word and you see what Jesus has done for you and you truly obey and listen and hear everything that he's saying, you cannot help but want to do what is good. But if you're looking at what the world is doing and you see all the evil and the pain and the suffering in the world around you and that's all you ever consume, that's all you ever put into your heart, you're gonna have a hard time doing good things because you're depressed, because you're satiated with all of the evil Treasure must be stored in the right place. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt or thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupt nor thieves break through and steal. And then he goes on to say, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your treasure? What do you value? Because if what you're valuing are things of the world, you won't do good things for others. And so the question is, who or what has control of your heart? Who or what truly has control over your heart? In Acts chapter 5, verse number 3, we find that Peter says to Ananias after he kept back some of the portion of the land that he sold, he says to him, why have you allowed Satan to fill your heart and lie to the Holy Spirit? Now, I don't know that I believe that, that Satan literally went inside of Ananias' heart and prevented him from doing what was right, but rather that Ananias allowed the evil vices of Satan and the influences of the world to influence him to the point that his heart was giving allegiance to Satan instead of allegiance to God. And so who or what has control over your heart? If you're struggling with doing good deeds, where is your treasure? What do you really value most? Ask yourself that question honestly this morning. And then finally, before we have some practical things to say, know that Jesus said this about good works, that they are acknowledged and rewarded by God. Look at John chapter five, verse number 29. John chapter five, verse number 29. Let's begin at verse 28. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Now again, we reiterate that we cannot earn our salvation. But in a very real sense, scripture teaches that if we do not obey, if we do not do good deeds and do good works, that we will be punished. But he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, Paul says. And in turn, God rewards those who do good deeds. We read a moment ago that in Matthew chapter 6, when we do our charitable deeds in secret, God rewards us in secret. He rewards us, I promise you, both now in this life and in more importantly, in the life thereafter, the life that is to come. And so know that sometimes it may feel like I'm doing these charitable deeds and maybe there's no return on investment as it sometimes might seem because we just don't see that ROI right away. But there is the greatest return on investment that could ever be. Let's get practical for a few moments. In Matthew chapter number 25, we have the parable of the talents and Jesus is saying to these individuals at the end of the, of the, the parable there, he, he says to the one with five talents, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things, now I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of my Lord. And as he's saying that, I want us to realize that we need to ask the question, as it goes on and later on into to chapter 25, there is this parable that Jesus continues to tell of the sheep being separated from the goats. And to those on his left, he will say, depart from me. Why does he say depart from me? Because these individuals had never fed 
and clothed and given water and visited those who were in need, those that were hungry, those that were naked, those that were in prison. They had never done those things. And so the question for us is what good works can we be doing? What good work should we be doing? We, we know it's important. We've just looked at all these things that they, they're expected of us, that, that God wants us to do them, but what are they? I would submit that there's really kind of four categories that every one of us has an influence in. Our own personal life, in the home, in the church, and in the community around us. As you think about your own personal life, the good works that you could be doing, even in your own personal life that no one else would know about, think about Daniel as he prayed, even despite the fact that there was a decree that he should not and could not pray to his God, and yet he went into his bedroom, not to be seen of men, and prayed to his God. And what ends up happening? God's glorified through that circumstance and through those difficulties. When you think about in the home, the good works that you can be doing in your sphere of influence, in your home, husbands, when you listen to your wife, when you hear her, when you give honor to her, you're doing good deeds. Parents, when you're rearing your children to, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, you're doing good works, you're doing good deeds. Children, later on in life, all of us here are a child of someone else. When we honor our parents as perhaps they're aging, we are doing charitable deeds. And in that moment, sometimes the world around us sees why is so-and-so taking care of his mother or father in such an honorable way? They can see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. What about in the church? In the church, there's this principle that is called the 80-20 principle that sometimes you read in church work literature that says that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. And 20% of people do the 80% of the work. The idea is that the majority of the work gets done by a small amount of people, and a small amount of people do the majority of the work, right? We bring that up to say, not as though I believe that that is necessarily at all the case with this congregation, because I believe it's probably much more an equal balance. But as we talked about earlier, good works are at the core of a Christian. If you're just coming to sit in a pew on Sunday morning and that's all that your Christianity consists of, you're falling short of what God has called you to be. You're not living up to the workmanship that he has created you to be. He calls us to get involved in the work of the church. And so, did you know that there's an involvement form that you can fill out on Lightpost to get involved in various works of the church here in this congregation? But did you know that sometimes maybe deacons won't call you because maybe it's the case that they already have enough volunteers in their area and so maybe the area you signed up for being available to help in, they haven't called you to help in and maybe you think, well, why does anybody ever ask me to help? Sometimes it's just a matter of getting involved. You know, there are sign-up sheets in the foyer all of the time looking for help. Get involved. Do the work of God in the church here. I promise you will be blessed. And finally, as we think about these in the community, I wonder sometimes, I wonder sometimes if the world looks at Christians and all they see are priests and Levites from Luke chapter 10 that see this Jew that is hurting, who is destitute, that has been, who, who's laying on the side of the road, who has been uh, kind of punished and, and is, is in need, and we just pass by on the other side because, well, we're, we're, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing on worship on Sunday morning. Instead of doing the good deeds and helping those that are in need, we just pass by 
on the other side. And maybe sometimes that's all that people think about Christians in the world. It ought to be the case that when disasters strike, that when people are in need around us, when people are destitute, when there are cleanup days that need to happen in our community, that we ought to be involved in that because we are people that want to help others and are people of good works. If all we're ever doing as part of our Christian faith is just coming in here and sitting in this building, we're not doing what God has called us to do, brethren. Do the work of the Lord in your home in the church, in the community, in your own personal life. Because that's what we're called to, do, to be. We are to be his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. As we close, consider James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have any works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and I just say, go in peace, be warm and filled, pass by on the other side, not actually help the person in need, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. This morning, I would ask you, do you have a faith that is dead? Because if you are not doing good works, if you are not doing charitable deeds, if you're not trying to bring glory to God by the things that you're doing in your life, you're falling short and we want you to do better. We want all of us to try to, tr try to be more like our Lord and Savior Jesus who went about doing good. We're not asking necessarily for people to respond this morning only to the gospel for the sake of being baptized if you're not a Christian. But if you are a Christian and this is an area you're struggling in, make it right this morning. Get involved. Do the work of the Lord. If there's anything that we can do for you, we ask that you come as together we stand and as we sing.